Um, Hello. Hello. We're back in a box. Oh, my goodness. We're in a studio, sort of it's socially just, distanced. Yeah. But, yeah. We are, um, I'd say, 1.5 metres apart. Mm-hmm. And between us, there is a can of Glen 20. There is literally, <laughs> hang on a sec. Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. That's really handy, that, sir, because I haven't wanted I just, to say anything, but for a long while I've been wanting to bring a can of Glen like, 20 oh when God. you're around. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm now, wow, this is um, quite a, this is a closed space. Um, wow. I didn't know they still made Glen 20, actually. No, I didn't either, but um, so now do you remember do, the ads for Glen 20 were very funny, weren't they? In do you the, know, it, isn't it funny? I mean, I've, I think I've raised this in the podcast before, but oh, probably. Here I'm we go. not sure that Glen 20 had a theme song, but somebody this week mentioned Fair Star, the fun ship. Oh yeah, and I just so much went, fun on the one Fair ship. Fair Star, the fun ship. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. People should go back to having jingles because they get stuck in your head I know. for 35 years. Well, um, um a number of. Uh, people in a um, WhatsApp group that I'm involved in who all grew up in Adelaide did this sort of demented thing a couple of days ago where we just went through all of the jingles for furniture shops and just like, (laughs) I don't know why, but Adelaide, whilst being the city of churches, also (laughs) in the 1970s was the city where there's just an alarming number of jingle-based furniture store promotions. (laughs) And I'm like, is the Whitewood Centre still bursting at the seams with fine pine furniture? Everyone's like, oh, my God, it is. <laughs> That's hilarious. And mm. I reckon, actually, WhatsApp's been a bit of a saviour for me over this pandemic period because I've got oh, yeah. three different um, sort of what I would call permanent groups in there of different friends right. um, with running sort of gags and just hilarity in them. And one of the things that I do enjoy, one of them involves somebody who lives in London. Right. So sometimes you wake up. And there's some filth there waiting for them from them. Or one of the other people in that group does shift work, so they're up super early. So you might wake up in the morning pick up your phone and you'll see 48 messages in the London gang. And it's quite great if you come to it late like that because then you just get to sit back and sort of passively enjoy whatever hilarity you have. You're under pressure to come up with something hilarious. exactly. Yes. I've been enjoying it. It's certainly good for time-wasting. Yeah. It is good for time-wasting, yeah. I've just been, um, well, doing a lot of baking, obviously, but also I just, for the last week... I've mainly just been doing research for this new project that I'm doing, um, which is about the hundred years of women in Australian parliaments that's about to, you know, be commemorated. And um, I'm just absolutely up to my armpits in ancient Hansard and I just... I'm loving it sick. I'm having such a nice time. And whenever anyone rings me up to do something else, I feel vaguely resentful. And my main concern, I'm getting to it. not happy to see me. Pretty much, yeah. Um, I mean, I actually, you know, brush my hair and put pants on and um, I kind of, I do resent, I resented that while I was doing it. Um, It's not between us because I came and I didn't put pants on. That's true. Far out. You are. You're welcome for that visual, listeners. You're welcome. (laughs) It's all right. That's why she always is on 7.30. (laughs) Anyway, so my main concern out of this is that I'm not going to give up. I'm going to find it very difficult to give up this period of being able to concentrate on one thing. Although, what am I talking about? I've got three kids at home. Oh, yeah. I'm not homeschooling them, but I am assisted learning them. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's right. As somebody on Twitter helpfully said, unless it comes from the French reason of homeschooling, it's not homeschooling, it's simply sparkling online learning. (laughs) Oh, man, that made me laugh so much. I mean, just... 
smugness on Twitter just annoys me anyway, but um, um, I think, yeah. 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 Uh, now, um, there's been some quality. I'm still struggling to sort of get into any in-depth kind of reading uh, but there's been some good articles around in recent weeks. Superb articles, yeah. yeah. Um, did you read the one in Good Weekend about Glen Marie Frost? Yes, I did. Good. Yeah. Okay. So okay, do you know Glen Marie Frost? No, I do not. Know Although I seem to remember, I was sort of trying to remember in the Olympics where I was oh, a sports right. reporter, oh, yeah, remember? Yeah, we were talking about that, yeah. Yeah, I was a sports reporter. When I accidentally... Not on my level of sports reporting, obviously. I mean, don't break the kind of yarns I do. Yeah, I don't. Shut up. <laughs> yeah, anyway, yeah. That was my, you know, that was the occasion of my famously misreporting the name of the famous sprinter <laughs> CJ Hunter as CJ Dennis in several editions of <laughs> newspapers. Oh, God, Before I was corrected by a, well, let's just say a contemptuous sub, fair enough. Um, that's when I realised I wasn't really cut out for sport reporting. But anyway... Um, <laughs> But um, I do remember that Milton Coburn was sort of, um, you know, the honcho of communications and Tracy Holmes was in comms as well. Mm -hmm. And there was this woman who was very kind of outre and, you know, part of this um, profile of her that Jane Cadzo wrote in the um, the Weekend Magazine article, right? Yeah. Yeah. Actually, before you What's hold that thought, because we should give people a summary just quickly what it's about before we get oh, into man. dissecting it. Oh, man, you and your it. summaries. Got to. Dot point? So Glenmarie Frost Shall I just a... go buff my nails while you, uh, <laughs> while you fill it this The article sucker? is about this woman, Glenmarie Frost, who in the sort of 80s, but particularly the 90s in Sydney, was a fairly well-known identity in the world of public relations and sort of corporate schmoozing. Yeah. Um, and she was like publicist for De Beers Diamonds. Yeah, and extremely beautiful. I mean, I never met her, but I just, I remember her distinctly because I remember seeing her photo in the paper and thinking, yeah. oh my God, that woman's so gorgeous. Um, and she was best friends with Sonia McMahon. Yeah, and very striking looking woman with sort of bright red hair and extremely stylish. And uh, she was very connected and she knew everybody. And then this article... Having an affair with Ian Sinclair. <gasps> yeah, the former National Sinclair's. Party leader. Mm. And then this Thank article is basically about that. now, she lives in public housing in Woolloomooloo and it's basically how do you go from being a wealthy sort of eastern suburbs socialite connected to everybody to having nothing and living in public housing and that's the gist of the that's the story and she's such a great interview subject as well because she's sort of happy to talk about it all but also um you get a really strong sense from her about how she was unable to ask for help particularly from her more wealthy friends like the article opens with this sort of um, portrait of her when she first became homeless, driving around in her little Ford and um, with her cat in the car and parking in a little quiet street in Wallara. And she was like really close to two of her friends' homes, Helen Coonan, former communications minister, and um, Carrie Ann Kennelly. But she couldn't, and she said either of them would have taken her in, but she felt that she was so depleted by um, everything that happened to her that she was unable to ask them for help. Um, yeah. It, it was interesting because when you, when you sort of... When I saw the article in the paper, I thought, how can that happen? And then when they sort of unpack it, mm. it did... It, it, it's quite disturbing and I think educative that particularly for women, if you don't plan your finances well and you, um, you know then have a few things go wrong, like a few health things, you can get into really difficult 
straights because all of the stats show for example women yeah. they, they never have as much superannuation as men about um, 40% I think yeah if you have a whack out of working because you've had children or for whatever reason um, that obviously has a big uh, impact on things and so she I think got to about her mid 50s um, finished a job or lost a job, had a marriage breakdown and then had a bout of ill health yeah. where she, her knees were, were stuffed. Yes, yeah, so and she couldn't work. And yeah. I think after the Olympics she was very depleted because it was a really tough um, job and she took a bit of time out and she had a marriage breakdown, as you say, from which she walked away with nothing and her other kind of significant relationship was a long-term affair with somebody and mm. um, then all of a sudden can't work for a bit because of the knees and then once all that was fixed up then she's you know 65 or something 64 and so all of a sudden she's like oh well the pension is sort of my only option and obviously because she was so ferociously competent in her job she'd always thought well I'll always work yeah that's Um, right so it's actually quite a terrifying read it was um but I also I came out of it just thinking and like as I said I always just looked at her from afar and thought Mm. wow I felt Mm. dazzled by her and I came out of it feeling like oh you know I just wish you were my friend like she just sounded so fantastic um it just reminds me too somebody emailed me yesterday who's with an organization called the National Debt Helpline um just to say it's a service that's provided it's funded by the New South Wales and Victorian state governments and the federal government Mm. and it basically is free financial advice done by proper financial advisors and they said to me could you put it out on your um you know social media just to give a bit of awareness to it which is what I'm doing now um so just because you know I think when people get into debt and we know because of this pandemic there's going to be big mental health issues and I think that financial pressure is a major major thing and it's almost like I think people's world shrinks and they can't see a way out of it yeah so you could you could just google national debt helpline and then ring somebody and you know sometimes they can do some things that actually help you see like oh yeah this isn't maybe there is maybe a way out of it yeah and I think sometimes people feel about um financial planning oh I don't have assets or I don't have you know um I don't have enough to warrant Mm. financial planning but it's absolutely true in this field that one even small decision that you make today even if you're absolutely on your ass um, can make a huge decision down the track and I'm like pretty scared by this whole phenomenon of people drawing down their super as well because man that's just um yeah gonna have significant ramifications later on it does um but that's it's a great article it's a um and I don't know, like that article that I think you put me onto in the New York Times by the restaurateur who was oh, um, yeah. who was considering just her role in the world as a result of this beautiful tiny little restaurant that she... Called Prune. Called Prune, that she'd shut down, um, you know, very early on in the piece responsibly. And the piece is about that, but then also opens out as a, into a reflection of, well, what's the restaurant industry in New, like, New York like? What does it mean? Why is it necessary? Is it necessary? Was it in an overblown state anyway? Because this woman says, well, look, I've you know written two successful cookbooks. I've had a TV series. I've had this restaurant for 20 years and I still can't afford to pay people to clean it at the weekends. Like I'm in there yeah, scrubbing it. Yeah, that was disturbing. Like, and didn't have my health wages, insurance. Still, yeah, couldn't afford, we, health, couldn't insurance. afford health insurance. It was a really successful restaurant, couldn't afford health insurance. I mean, that to me just says America is stuffed. If, you, if you're working that hard and you can't have health insurance, I mean, that's just... 
wrong. Yeah, that's health really insurance wrong. is just politicised to a <sighs> just ridiculous point. But uh, the other thing I loved about it was because she'd sort of then had time to sit back and take stock. She was saying, for example, they'd started serving brunch at Prune yeah. because that was just what you did, and you and sort also of you, you try could, to you could expand the business. And, you expand and, the business. You got to grow the business. More inco- that's income. right. Got to grow the business all the time, and that's what people want. They want brunch, and, she, and then just sort of stopping it. She was like, actually, no. I hate doing brunch. I've got no interest Screw in brunch. brunch. It's not why I don't want to do brunch. I, that's not why I started it. I it's not brunch. the sort of food I'm interested in. And so it gave her a second to step back to go, no, I don't want to do that. <laughs> so that was interesting. Um, the other article that I just read actually today, which ticked a lot of boxes for me, it was one in the New York Times about oh, Val Kilmer. I knew, I knew you would read that. I, I read it too, but when I was reading it, I was like, Oh, just tick, 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 Sales tick. Sales would be all over this. Celebrity tick, crazy <laughs> tick, no filter tick. <laughs> Written by Taffy Brodesserac. <laughs> it's true. Great profile of Val Kilmer by Taffy Brodesserac. It was seriously published about 14 hours ago. It's just so hilarious that we've been oh, it was... And because of your provocative remarks about Iceman uh, from Top Gun, as soon as I started reading it, all I could do was picture you being, you know, flown around <laughs> by, by the ice. Man. That's what you would want. That now, exactly. um, since the throat cancer that he denies that he ever had um, is speaking, like he's had a tracheotomy and is speaking with a tracheometer. Oh, I don't yeah. know. It starts with track and it's a little... She said he's understandable but hard to understand yeah. his speech. But So this was the thing. So Val Kilmer, she's trying to explain his worldview. He's obsessed by two things, Christian science and Mark Twain. Yep. Um, Which he brings together creatively in his new show. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's he's fascinating, but you know, deeply odd. So he's obsessed with the lives of Mark Twain and Mary Baker Eddy, who is the sort of principal figure of Christian Science. Uh, I've got to say, um, a religion of which I know very little, um, but. He's convinced that they really have a lot in common, even though, as Taffy makes it brilliantly clear, these are two people who would have despised each other. (laughs) (laughs) And it takes Val Kilmer to go, come on, really. Let's bring them together. But it's sort of, she uses that to explain how, so he's got this really sort of strange worldview where he just sort of embraces complete fantasy as if it's true. Like, so he says that... He, he mm. doesn't have throat cancer. He didn't have throat cancer. And when she sort of drills <clears throat> into him, it's like because he doesn't have it today, now. Yes. So but he, he just... says he never had it. He only submitted to chemotherapy and the tracheotomy because his, his family. family, who are less enlightened than him, were panicked at his plan A, which was retreat to his ranch and pray his way out of it. I mean, he'd be the greatest first husband ever, wouldn't he? Like, he'd just be like... <laughs> And then he, he well, also... now he wants to go and pray his way out of his throat cancer, which he doesn't think he has, whilst putting together a musical version of the blended lives of Mark Twain and Mary Baker. Eddie. He'd never be boring. He's great but with then... the kids, though. <laughs> then there's a bit where he says, you know... The, the school friends would be like, but you married Iceman. I mean, you know... <sighs> He talks about, too, this uh, accident. He talks about things that have happened to him where he's had narrow escapes, mm, yes. like having a car crash where his car passed through another car. Yes. And it how wasn't a crash. It should have been, but because he'd prayed all his life, the, pa- the car just floated through the other car and he can still remember examining the mole on the neck of the other driver as he 
passed, passed through. through the body of the man. And then he claimed that his daughter had been had an accident where she'd been hit by a car, thrown through a place, plate glass window, but miraculously walked away. And then Taffy went to check it with the daughter. She was like, yeah, I was in hospital for three months. And <laughs> it was just... My jaw was smashed. Really strange. But nonetheless, Taffy came out of it sort of really liking him. Um, she was entranced by him. And I yeah. think it, the interesting thing about the article is um, so that Taffy is clearly in some sort of lockdown mode where she's going crazy, you know, in mm. her apartment. And um, she was able to go and this must have been just before lockdown. She was able to go and interview him. And then she basically sat there through home detention thinking about this guy and she found something about him massively liberating and exciting which was just this incredible power of belief which yeah. to which she didn't end up subscribing she just seemed to be um just inspired by the human capacity to have that yeah belief. Well, she and i, I think she found it inspiring in this sort of crazy coronavirus world that everything that every story val kilmer told ended either with a note of hope or optimism mm. or and which in several cases were just utter fantasy mm. but that he kept pulling it all the time around to this like positive sort of way of looking at the world um it did make me want to go back and watch a film called top secret how did you ever see that no, when it came out it was yeah. his first film as a kid my brother and i used to watch it over and over we found it oh, absolutely right. hilarious um, so I'd be curious to but go back. It was back like the follow-up to Flying High or something, wasn't it? It was Is the that... same team that did right, Flying okay. High did it. Um, oh, so okay. yeah, I, I must go and see it. Yeah, I must see if I can track it down and have a look at it. But I do think as well that, I mean, she writes and waxes quite lyrical about what a handsome young man he was, which obviously, yeah. you know, he was. I do think some people, if they're very handsome in that line of work, um, and, you know, women too, I think, who are very beautiful, it can be a, bit, a little bit of a straitjacket because you get sort of, right, you're oh, handsome, course, yeah. so, you know, you should be a leading man or you should be whatever. But if you're actually more interested in character kind of work, it ends up, I, I think people seem to get swept along by it and they find themselves in roles like that and then it becomes um, like, oh, this isn't really what I want to do. And that's clearly what's happened to him. Yeah. Or he's pushed against it, then got himself a bit of a bad reputation for being really difficult to work with. Yeah. And then works dried up. Yeah. And that's... I mean, that's the narrative of the piece, really, is like, whatever happened to Val Kilmer, well, here's what happened. And he was sort of appalling on set, which he kind of, um, yeah, he sort admits of admits and yeah. says that he doesn't feel bad about summoning his energies to challenge these directors <laughs> creatively. But he the, feels um, bad about hurting people's feelings. Who, who directed the Doors movie? Um, oh, famous director, not Martin Scorsese. Uh, no. Was it one of those? Wasn't like Oliver Stone or uh, Oliver something Stone. Like, was yeah, it? Uh, I think it might have been. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like. <laughs> Apparently Val Killed was taking him to task for a film about glorifying the use of drugs in a film about James Jim Morrison. Like, come on. Like, what can you... What? Imagine trying to work with somebody like that. Hey, we're making a film about the doors. I don't think we can do it without drugs. Jeez, there must have been a lot of, like, casual eye contact, like, with other people in the room where you're oh. having this conversation with Val Kilmer just going... No, you go God. talk to him. No, you. No, you. No, oh, you God. Should. I've done enough today. <laughs> I did Tom Cruise. <laughs> so you can do Kilmer. It seems him and Tom don't love each other either. No, to be that's a bit quite of, amusing. Um, but he is, I noticed, they they said he is in the new Top Gun right. film, which has been, I've been put back till December, but it's all very secretive as to what he's doing. I assume that the plot, because of his voice... It'll be something Twain-based. He's something Twain-based. <laughs> no, I assume it must... I, my guess is that Iceman's had some sort of injury or something in a sure, flying yeah. accident or something well, like that. 
as Tappy points out um, in this piece, he's only got about 11 lines in Top Gun. It's so yes. interesting that he's such a, well, that your heart belongs forever <laughs> totally. to Iceman. But he's such a dominant character in the film. And yes. I, looked, I thought back and thought, oh, yeah, actually, you really don't, you know, I mean, his gum has more kind of stage presence. Yeah. I was amazed. When she said that, I thought, Wow, really? And then when I thought it through, I thought, mm. that's true, actually. You're he's dangerous. Not, he's not. Like, that's one. <laughs> <laughs> There's not actually a lot of... Um, is he the one who says your, your ego is writing checks your body can't cash? Or is that <laughs> Tom, Tom Scarrett? <laughs> greatest line ever. I can't remember. Your ego is writing checks your body can't cash, Maverick. Um, I can't remember line. if Tom Scarrett says that or... Or is it Ed Harris in that film? Oh, I can't oh, remember no, now. I can't remember. Stop it. Stop it. Danger zone. I can't wait till it comes out. You know I'm dragging you to it, right? And then we're going to be doing a podcast oh, just about it. Just, I'm, giving you no, I'm giving you notice. I'm giving you warning. Please, Gladys, we're don't going. reopen the cinemas. <laughs> yeah, of course. I'll go with you. No worries. As long as I... I'm allowed to have like a bottle of scotch first. <laughs> um, so I... Um, on this theme of kind of past glories and people... Um, looking back on their productive days. Have you been watching, I can't actually remember if you have or you haven't, um, Last Dance, the Chicago Bulls documentary? I've watched two episodes. Okay. I am loving it. Because you are Sick. a sport head. I am going over somebody's place tonight to watch episode three. So Jeremy a couple of weeks back said, oh, we should watch this doco about um, the Chicago Bulls and Michael Jordan. And Is I'm he like, a basketball fan? Can I ask? Uh, Nope. Okay, great. Yep. Um, and I, look, I am so not a basketball fan. I always struggle to remember which of these famous American sporting teams are like basketball and which ones are baseball oh, yeah. and which ones are football. I'm like, oh, For the sure. Knicks. See, I thought the Knicks were baseball, but apparently not. They're basketball. I've learned. The Knicks? Yeah. The Knicks. No way. Well, maybe there's two up. Knicks. <laughs> there could mm. be. Um, Nothing more confusing than knowing a lot of Knicks. <laughs> Anyway, I sort of was a bit, oh, God, sport, all right? Yeah. And then within two minutes was absolutely transfixed. And not oh my that God, I... you're right. The New York Knicks are a professional basketball team. I love your expression of incredulity. <laughs> it's really flattering to me the way I'm just going to keep going down like, the Google list in case I'm right about one thing and you can't believe it. Oh, yeah, of course, because um, New York Yankees is the, bas- is the baseball of team. Of course, yes, okay. exactly, as I was about to say. Who are the New York Giants? Oh, ba- ba- baseball. No, I just said the Yankees are the baseball team. Oh. I'm guessing gridiron, New York Giants. I don't know. Uh, football. Yeah, football. Okay, okay. carry okay. on. My, my apologies for interrupting. Um, anyway, so it's about, well, it's about the end of the Chicago Bulls, really, and um, the clashes between the management and the coach and this sort of bizarre stable of the most famous basketballers in the world. Yeah, like so, probably the greatest basketball team ever. Right. Um, and I, look, I mean, I was always aware um, in the 90s that Michael Jordan was the most famous man on the planet, but I, you know, obviously very good at basketball. I could have told you that, but I don't know I would ever <laughs> have watched a basketball game with him in it. Um, but, oh, my God. So it's it's just an incredible story. Oh, yeah. And um, it's about, as a lot of things are in life, it's not really about sport. It's about politics. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it is. Um, and it's about fame and the escalation of fame and what happens to these prodigiously talented young men when they're shoved into oh, these yeah. bizarre situations. It's also about incredibly ill-fitting suits. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
classic <laughs> shots I mean, of the suits of the era. Oh, man. 90s jackets really were like that. I mean, I don't know. I was around. I was sentient. I wasn't wearing suits. But, I mean, just the footage of Michael Jordan and Dennis Rodman and, you know. Because also because those guys are so huge. Can you imagine how big those suits like must a, have actually be like been? like a spinnaker. Like you'd have to start <laughs> totally. with 10 metres of fabric. <laughs> and then be like this tablecloth that we're sitting around, I reckon. It was but so I know, it's funny. But, I mean. Imagine having like an incredible body and then just shrouding it in yeah. kind of <laughs> yeah, polyester. Totally. Which is what these dudes seem to be doing. Oh, it's, my God. I mean. Michael Jordan himself is an amazing character. I mean, I'm finding it really interesting watch, watching it just as a structural exercise because it must have been very complex to put together <gasps> because you've got all these different... So it's sort of Michael Jordan is the sort of, I guess, centre of the hub, right? So you've yep. got all the spokes that come off Michael yep. Jordan. But then you need to do... Michael Jordan's own story and yeah. how he came to it. But then you've got other key characters like Scottie Pippen and Dennis Rodman and you need their Listen backstories. Listen to you just naming basketballers. <laughs> just them out there. <laughs> then you need um, just, I guess, the context of the Chicago Bulls and what's going right. on with that team. And what's and happening in Chicago What's happening well. in Chicago, yeah. what's happening in um, basketball generally, sort of yeah. nationally. Like it's You'd a be across really that, yeah. complex, really <laughs> complex um, series of things to put together and to make a cohesive whole out of because you can't really just tell it chronologically. No. So, and and I think they do a really great job of dipping in and out of various people. Well, they've really leaned into it. And one of the things that I really... And the, the other, of course, um, complication is that they've got hours and hours of footage of basketball games that all look the same. It's just like a bunch yeah. of really tall dudes trying to get a ball in a basket. Like So it's not like you're getting a lot of variety. You've got a bunch of basketball players sitting around giving interviews interspersed with footage of matches but like, they, they even but, that they handle I mean I, I can't follow basketball as a game um, but they you're supposed to get the ball through that <laughs> I, I get thing. that much yeah. but they they even when they're going to games they do set it up well by saying okay this was a really important game because of XYZ and so yes. they use commentators of That's the day true. to explain it there was one that I really enjoyed where because Jordan's just so competitive yeah. so he's had this Friday where he's gone and played they're, they're playing um, Boston whatever is it's Celtics, Celtics, whatever they call them. Anyway, they're playing Boston, Chicago Bulls. Jordan goes out on the Friday and he plays basketball with a really famous guy, Larry Bird. Right. And, uh, sorry, not basketball, um, golf. They play golf. And Jordan plays really, really crap and Bird's just like hanging crap on him the entire time. Um, Anyway, it it just really fires Jordan up. (laughs) So he goes, um, I'll see you, you know, see you tomorrow and, you know, I think you'll be, I forget what he says to him, but it's basically along, along the lines of, you better be ready. <laughs> he's just got this bee in his bonnet so bad that he needs to just annihilate them. And he basically, <laughs> showing the footage of the game, it's pretty much Jordan just single-handedly <laughs> running from one end of the court, possessed, constantly yeah. dunking it, throwing it from a million miles away, like just absolutely possessed. And there's they're showing cutaways of the Boston guys and they're looking like sort of, exhausted and shell-shocked and then at one point one of them laughs and they're just like their minds are blown <laughs> at one point they cut away to this guy player whose name's Carlisle and he just looks like it's a combination of like <laughs> shock and despair like all in sort of one uh, and just exhaustion and the commentator goes Carlisle just wishing for his mummy <laughs> anyway that's great but Jordan um it's also reminding me when I'm watching it. I went to see Michael Jordan when I lived in Washington because he, he, it coincided with the era when he played for the Washington Wizards. Right. And, again, while I know nothing about basketball, I just felt like, I mean, you know, he was so famous and mm. I thought, well, it, it truly is a, like a once-in-a-lifetime like, yeah. thing to go see someone that good at what they're doing. 
I mean, I know that this is completely um, cliche because everyone says it, but it, it's hard to not say it. When you're watching him actually play, it seriously is like he is defying gravity. Like he jumps in the air and you swear to God that he's just staying up there for like two yeah. seconds. I do not know how he does. It's just, it, it is mind-blowing when you're watching it. But it, this doco is reminding me, and when I went to see him reminds me, just the absolute pure pleasure that it is to watch anybody in any discipline who's absolutely brilliant at it yeah. whether it's darts chess music um basketball it's that it's that flow that they have going so it yeah. just looks like totally Even dances, right like oh just... my god it's just and the way that it, they just <clears throat> just runs up and dunks it it's yeah. just oh my and even jumping up and down to celebrate becomes this athletic kind oh, of incredible amazing act of beauty. There's um, a great oh, sorry. One of the things I think is really interesting about the doco is that um, it kind of traces the traje- trajectory of the formation of the team and like the there was nothing particularly special about the Chicago Bulls um, pre Jordan and they were like in a really big slump and the success that he brought and the profile had this transformative um, effect on the city. And then there was this obvious question that emerged, which was how does this team coalesce around a person who's so much better than the rest of them? Mm. And this is where I think the role of the coach, who's this absolutely fascinating character, his ability to influence Jordan and to explain to him that being the linchpin of this team didn't mean always having the ball, didn't mean, you know, he not only could but should kind of take the foot off the pedal a bit and feed the ball to other players. And part of the brilliance of Jordan is his ability to see that and put it into action. I'd love to read some books actually about coaching psychology because also the team's... Said no one ever. (laughs) (laughs) I'd really like to go to a team-building workshop. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know any change agents (laughs) sales i'd love to go to a change <laughs> management session wouldn't you <laughs> like, who even are you imagine if i just said no, I think some <laughs> spot, hey, 7 30 we're just gonna gonna run this away day where you go and eat terrible sandwiches in a function center and <laughs> um about sports just <laughs> I'd be like, yeah, awesome. That's going to be great. Um, the no, but they're, they're like, there's one point where it looks like that guy's co- uh, contract's not going to get renewed, and they're and all of them from Jordan down are just like, well, if he's not here, we're not doing it. Yeah, like they just complete. It's almost like a form of brainwashing or something. Yeah, they're all like so dedicated to this guy. I just want to know how he did it, so I can have my own little band yeah. backlight. <laughs> really? Wow, that didn't take long, did it? <laughs> I'm just but interested it's... in the psychology and the world domination. <laughs> Thank you. What are the other? I things? feel like Glenn Twentying you right now. Imagine if I just did that. If I just sprayed you full in the face. <laughs> and then tonight on 7.30, you're just like, oh, my eyes are a bit bunged up because somebody sprayed. Because someone sprayed me with Glenn 20 because they thought I was full of... Um, no, one of the characters that I really like who episode two revolves around a fair bit is um, Scotty Pippen, who's oh, like the number two in the team. Yeah. And so he That's quite comes a from a... A really large family and very poor and there's two people in the family in wheelchairs. His father had an accident and then one of his siblings had an accident as well. And so his mother, like, is just, you know, I think it was like 11 kids or something, some yeah. huge family. <clears throat> anyway, so he's got some uh, talent, gets into the Chicago Bulls and he gets offered early in his career a deal. It's a seven-year contract that they stitch him up for for $18 million. He takes it because, and, you know, the way he explains it basically is... Uh, well, 
wasn't even a choice. Like I've mm. got two, 12 people at home relying on me and I've got two um, people with special needs. Plus, like, that's an that's unthinkable a lot of amount of money. But where it's actually not a lot of money is in the MBA. He was getting screwed and they would not... Um, so he was... You know, when they go through his stats, he's like one of the most valuable players in the NBA, undoubtedly, like easily in the top five. And basically Jordan admits that he can't really function very effectively without Scottie Pippen in the Chicago Bulls. When they, when you look at the rankings of pay, he's paid... Number 126 122, or something. Yeah. yeah. So he was getting royally screwed over. Um, and I think... I mean, I'll be interested to see as it unfolds how that sort of works because the episode I left it at is with Pippen basically just really quite bitter about... Um, why, why am I being treated like this when I'm so valuable and they need me so much? And yeah. they won't, you know, I, when I was a young guy with no options, I got locked into this deal and surely yeah. they should really look at it. And that um, deal encompasses the bulk of his productive working life as well, which is, yeah. you know, something that I think young sports people can never see the end of their own productive lives, yeah. but actually they're um, incredibly short. And I think it, it is just a reminder too, I think, that people's um, formative experiences and, and their situation that they've grown up with. Um, influences the decisions you make and your confidence around decision making mm-hmm. absolutely massively because mm-hmm. i think anyone that comes from sort of that background of scotty pippins you're offered a deal like that it's not even a choice yeah. like of course you're taking it because that's mm. your family's meal ticket you're not going to quibble and go oh, i don't want 18 mil i want 50 mil yeah but really um that's where i think i think it's unethical actually yeah. that the chicago bills put him locked him onto such a yeah and then didn't waver particularly this for seven years like I mean again and that was appealing to him because it was security and he wanted Mm. that's what he wanted for his family was security but I think people that people should have been looking after him better to go put we'll put you on three and then that's gonna and then we're gonna rejig it or you know whatever but anyway I'm curious to see how that sort of unfolds yeah you know as you say 18 million is a lot of money but it's not a lot of money when everyone else is getting paid 50 million yeah um anyway it's a great doco I really love it it's a great doco and well done Right. Well, for watching uh, a sport documentary. Yes. What does the clock say, lady? The clock says time to wrap it up. Oh, okay. <laughs> I've got more to talk about. <laughs> Are you enjoying Chat 10 Looks 3? If you do enjoy our company, uh, you can interact on a just a dizzying array of online platforms. You can go to our website, www.chat10looks3.com, where you'll have the, all the show notes from every show we've ever done. Thanks, Brenda. Uh, there's also um, a little link through to uh, a bookshop called Bedside Table, where you can purchase, if you'd like, any of the books that we've talked about in the podcast. You can also find merch if Gwen has been up to her terrible tricks and um, putting together diabolically hilarious merchandise. Can you make this a bit snappier? It's going to take us over the 30 minutes. Oh, my God. Are you for real? (laughs) Anyway, uh, you can catch us on Instagram, on Twitter, or join the Facebook group, which is, well, that's just uh, something um, completely else indeed. (laughs) 